The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. Like, guys, what the f***? Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates. Let's start with that. And that's two firms where I have two full-time jobs. I know some people on the board of commissioners have a hard time with math, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And I'm so happy that the radio producer told me I can f***ing curse. Alright, so let's go back to the board of commissioners in Shiawassee. I mean, guys, you really don't know when to shut up. Heard some rumblings this week, and again, this is not on Marlene Webster, because I respect Marlene Webster. I don't respect a lot of people on that board. As many of you remember, we did a pitch to become the attorneys for the Board of Commissioners for $50,000 a year, with $10,000 going back to the mental health court. And we heard from people that this was a big money grab for and I'm sorry, the live audience here is a live audience, a couple members, and they're laughing because $50,000 is not really a significant amount of money for a lawyer. In fact, we were looking to break even. I do a lot of criminal work in Shiawassee. I don't understand how Ryan Painter got $104,000. i am not a math major. I sucked in math. In fact, sophomore year of high school was the only time I ever had to go to summer school. Geometry. I failed it during the year. I got a D in summer school. It was horrible. And I remember uh, my geometry professor telling me if I didn't conquer geometry, I was never going to be successful in life. Oops. Anyway, so I'm not great at math, but I do think 50 is less than 104. And I guess one of the people that was most outspoken about this was Cindy Garber. Cindy Garber sent a crazy email. We'll read that email tonight from when I applied. Um, Jeremy Root made a big issue of it. Brandon Marks, he was the guy at the meeting that was screaming, we're going to do things like the Shiawassee way. A lot of mentally challenged people on that board. I remember when I was a kid, my friend Chris Foster, he's older than me. He had a bachelor party at the Alki in Atlantic City. And at the bachelor party, Mr. T showed up. Mr. T was getting a sub at the famous White House sub shop where we grew up. And I really feel there was more intellectual ability with the drunken guys at Chris Foster's bachelor party than I've seen at meetings with the Shiawassee Board of Commissioners. On November 18th, 2020, at 10.32 a.m., Cindy Garber sent this email to me. Mr. Amedio. Okay, Cindy. A-M-A-D-E-O. I know his Italian name's confusing for you, but you spelled my name wrong, but it's okay. If... You know, you got bigger problems with spelling my name right. I hope the Lego company is going okay, but let's just read what you said in a public email. This was after I applied to be the lawyer. Nothing in your correspondence sounds appealing. In our community, we have seen misrepresentations by the media, 
false accusations by one of our own commissioners, and a false narrative by a failed countywide candidate. As the election results have proven, these negative, unfounded attacks have not fooled the people of Shiawassee County. In my opinion, your offer is another attempt at undermining this board and to create a media spectacle. It is my intention to engage legal counsel of the highest integrity and loyalty to the Board of Commissioners and the residents we proudly serve. Cindy Garber, Shiawassee County Commissioner, District 6. I find it ironic that Cindy Garber was attacking me about integrity. Was that COVID money a sign of integrity? I'm just curious. Cindy, Jeremy, guys, if I could do anything else in life besides be a criminal lawyer, if I could do it all over again, I would work really hard. Instead of investing in property, I would invest in Legos. Because you guys, you and Mr. Root, you guys are kicking ass. When Mike showed up, I don't know, maybe you're in the infantile stages, but I saw more Legos in my godson's garage than I saw in your store. So I don't know if that COVID money was put to use for that, but you want to engage with a lawyer with the highest integrity and loyalty to the board. Is that why you did a secret meeting? Is that why you paid a lawyer? And you know, Ryan Painter, I don't really know you. I saw you at one of the YouTube meetings with your head down, not having enough courage to even look people in the eye. I know you quit because of the pressure, I'm told, and the 104 grand a year. That was kind of comical. But hey, it is what it is, man. When I went to that meeting and Marks kind of attacked me and I said to Marks, do you have a problem? And to start his timing, guys, you're not relevant. If you want to learn about professionalism in class, go over to the circuit court and learn what intellect looks like. You guys have made a complete ass of yourselves. And I'm so happy that the radio producer told me I can f***ing curse. Since we're questioning my ability as a lawyer, let's talk about that. Do you guys want to debate anything? I remember Brian Boggs actually emailed me and told me about conflicts, and he kind of came off as if he knew more about law than I did. Brian, listen, man. If you ever want to talk about criminal law, I think I'm your guy. But if I'm ever in need of where to find bow ties, I'm going to call you. Because, man, you wear a bow tie like nobody else. You got that look down, bro. And I hope one day I'm cool enough to take my legal ability and put your sense of style. That'd be like the perfect fucking beast, bro. But since we're questioning my ability about law, despite my 12 and three trial record, despite the hundreds of cases I've had dismissed, let's dive deep into some of the most sophisticated issues in criminal law. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Stanaway motion, Walker hearings, Daubert hearings, 
entrapment motions, the value of self-surrender. And by the way, if anybody from the board or any lawyers want to debate me on these issues, feel free. I'll come to you. How's that fucking sound? Let's talk about something called the Stanaway motion. Now, a lot of lawyers in the state of Michigan do not know what a Stanaway motion is. Let's break it down. A Stanaway motion is often done in CSC cases, and I'm going to explain the motion and give a personal professional story behind each motion, and we'll break it down from there. What you're trying to do with the Stanaway motion is breakthrough privilege. There's a consensus that when somebody has medical records, those medical records should not be made for the public to see. What you're trying to do in the Stanaway motion is basically have an evidentiary hearing and an in-camera review for the judge to see just what's going on in those medical records. And I'm sure if somebody from the board accuse someone of a crime, a Stanaway motion would be the first thing we would file because I'd love to see some of those medical records. With that being stated, you have to show it's a high burden that privilege should be chopped through. The Stanaway motion has won me cases. It's gotten cases dismissed. And when we're looking at a Stanaway motion, we're really saying to the court, yeah, but... Usually in a CSC case, there is no physical evidence. It's a he said, she said situation, and when we're going with that, when she says this and he says that, we're bringing a lot of hearsay in. We're almost chilling the Michigan rules of evidence. That's a way to fight back. And if the circuit court judge will not grant the motion, you at least create an amazing appeal should you things not go well at trial. You also could make this motion for a beneficial plea. You also could potentially get the case dismissed because the prosecutor might be concerned about your standaway. Now, here's a story from Jersey. Back my first year of law school, and this is one of the things that made me get into crim law. There was a young woman that claimed the guy we played ball with raped her. And she claimed it happened five years ago. <sighs> he didn't know what to do. He took a plea. And his life was over. He lost his job. He lost his girlfriend. Like, all hell broke loose. Two years after the fact, she recanted her story. and said it never happened. And she was having mental health issues at the time. Well, his defense lawyer never dug into New Jersey's version of a Stanaway motion. If the court would have sold those medical records, it might have changed things. Prosecutors will often tell you, if you file a Stanaway motion, they're going to fight harder. Let me ask you a question, guys. If you want to charge somebody with a CSC... Hasn't the first punch been thrown? I mean, can we say anybody did something worse than that? And when a prosecutor doesn't care about the polygraph, 
they, they really don't care about the truth sometimes in these cases. The Stanaway motion helps you bounce back a little bit. So any lawyers out there that are in a tough situation, um, I'm not a great motion writer. I'm told my talent's in the courtroom, but I am really good at Stanaway motions. I'll gladly give you a copy of it. It could be the difference between somebody's freedom and somebody doing a lifetime in prison. The Stanaway motion should always be filed when there's a potential to file it. And there's always a potential to file it when the alleged victim has mental health issues and you need to get off your ass and do some research. Do not just accept the discovery that is provided. You have to dig deeper when someone's life is on the line. Walker hearing. We're trying to do with a Walker hearing is basically suppress. We're trying to suppress a confession. Recently had a case dismissed because of a Walker. What a Walker does is it says that during a police interrogation, Miranda was not properly read. Now, let's explain something. Talking to the police is never a good idea. Now, I don't always tell people not to talk to the police. Sometimes I'm talking to the police with them. It's a rare situation, but when I do it, it's for a reason. What we see happen all the time is somebody goes in for a police interview, and either they make a confession, or they sign a confession, and next thing you know, they're facing a lifetime in prison. What you have to do is argue that your client was in custodial interrogation and Miranda was not read. Miranda, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney. You cannot afford an attorney will be appointed to you. Do you understand these rights? Those five sentences. When an officer hides those sentences. You gotta prove two things. One was the client in custody. Custody means that a reasonable person would not feel free to leave. Element two, there's an interrogation going on. The police are trying to elicit an incriminating response. More cases are destroyed because people get themselves into trouble. Don't ever help somebody take your freedom the fuck away from you. Talking to the police is a bad idea. And if I know a case is going to trial, and I have an innocent kid, I may go in for a police interview with them to tell the jury, guilty people do not willingly talk to the police. It's a method. A Walker hearing should be filed in circuit court pre-trial motions, and you gotta rock with that. Now, sadly, most judges will not kick it. Sometimes you gotta do an interrogatory appeal. You need to be willing to go over the judge's head if you need to. You need to kick it to the Michigan Court of Appeals or the Michigan Supreme Court if somebody's life is on the line. And if you're not gonna do that, at least you preserve the issue. You wanna fight like hell for your client. You wanna protect yourself from malpractice. And the Walker hearing is essential 
when there is what you believe is a coerced confession because you're trying to suppress that confession. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Daubert hearings. Okay. In law school, we learned about Fry. We learned about Daubert. What Daubert is, is trying to get an expert in. Now, what we learn is an expert is not somebody necessarily with scientific background. It can be someone who is very knowledgeable in the field. And what we want from an expert is to have them testify without having any firsthand knowledge. They got to look at a report. Now, in delayed reporting cases, what we see a lot is when a prosecutor has a weak case, they bring in this guy called Tom Cottrell. Tom Cottrell is basically a hired gun for the prosecutor. And what Tom Cottrell will do is he'll explain to the jury why even though there's no evidence, the defendant's guilty. He's usually charging $300 an hour for his bullshit information. I've tried to hire Cottrell from a defense point of view, and he kind of backs off on that. You need an expert to fight sometimes. When there's a confession, you have to bring in a false confession expert. If that confession was coerced and you don't win the walker. Brian Cutler's an excellent false confession expert. But what's going to happen at the Dolbert hearing is the judge is going to decide if the expert should come in or not. You have to basically hire the right person, make sure you ask them the right questions, and make sure you get somebody who's respected from our circuit court and the Michigan Supreme Court who may qualify as an expert in Tennessee or Kentucky or New Jersey, may not qualify in Michigan. Now, if you're on a court-appointed case, my cases are generally all retained. If you're on a court-appointed, you have to file a motion for the funding to get that. If you're on a retained case, the odds of you getting that expert for the state to pay is pretty rare. So what you have to do is basically come at it from a point of view and tell your client they need to put money aside for the expert. If they don't, it could make a big difference. The expert needs to basically connect with the jury. In civil litigation, experts come in all the time. In criminal litigation, we overlook experts, and that's a big problem. We want an expert when we can afford an expert. And if we're on an indigency case, we need to make a motion to get funding for that expert. All right, entrapment motions. This has become the thing of the day. How about this? Let's use some free advice. If somebody you don't know engages you in a chat room you don't know, whether it's sexual or for financial purposes, just walk away from that conversation. It's just not smart to engage. Because your biggest fear is that there's an undercover cop there. In Michigan, the burden is on the defense counsel to show that their client was not predisposed to commit that crime. Predisposition basically means, did the defendant 
want to engage in an illegal act before their interaction with the police officer. Now, it gets a lot deeper than that, but you got to be careful with entrapment. Courts are not used to entrapment hearings and entrapment motions. You really have to find case law to support it. If anybody's stuck with an entrapment situation, contact me. I've written some pretty good entrapment motions. But these motions are outside-the-box situations, okay? We're talking about the deep end of the pool. If you don't want to go in the deep end of the pool, you shouldn't be swimming in criminal law. Let's understand that. You have to go deeper than your opponent. The prosecutor has picked their case. They feel, based upon the information they have, they have enough to convict. When we say you're innocent until proven guilty, that's bullshit. Especially in a CSC case, you are guilty until being proven innocent. You have to put the offense in defense. And when you're doing Sanoways, you're doing Walker hearings, you're doing that. If you don't want to spend the time and energy on that, then you really should get out of this profession. Let's talk about the value of self-surrender. A lot of times there's value in hiring a lawyer when you're being investigated. And one of the values in that is that the lawyer could potentially get you a low bond or a PR bond. It doesn't always work. But when there's a warrant out, you should be proactive in that. When you surrender on your own and your lawyer argues bond, you're giving yourself the optimal opportunity to get out and advocate for your case not being in the county jail. Self-surrender shows the court that this individual is not a flight risk. I got a warrant. I'm coming to your district court, and I'm going to fight for my rights. As opposed to knowing there's a warrant out there and just saying the hell with it. I'll deal with it if it comes. If you know there's a warrant and you don't address it, you're asking for trouble. What you should do if there's a warrant out. Get your lawyer, have them bring you in. We'll talk about bringing them in because bringing them in is not what it used to be. COVID bringing somebody in is different than pre-COVID. Like in Detroit, you're supposed to turn yourself into the Detroit Detention Center if it's a Detroit case, but you may not get heard for 72 hours. Pre-COVID, you bring somebody into the court, you get them out the same day, but you show up with your attorney. Your attorney then should waive a formal reading, stand mute, and ask to be heard on bond. Again, waive a formal reading, stand mute, and ask to be heard on bond. When you waive a formal meeting, you're telling the magistrate, I know what's going on here, and I'm going to save you time. You're standing mute, and you're not admitted to anything. That's better than pleading not guilty. That's a jurisdictional thing, by the way, but standing mute is preferred. And he has to be heard on bond. Now with bond, there's bond factors. But what you really want to do is argue two things. There's two points you want to hit hard. Number one, I'm not a flight risk. And number two, I'm not a threat to the community. There can be things you do to display that. You can show up with a past polygraph. You could show up with a sexual evaluation. You could show that years pay stubs, you have ties to the community. Now, 
when you talk about Bond, remember something. You are innocent till proven guilty. This is what they tell us. So what the court's supposed to do is basically trap the defendant in the least restrictive amount. Whatever that is. Some cases a PR bond, some cases a low bond. Certainly depends on the charge. When you're dealing with capital cases, things get a little trickier. But self-surrendering will always give you a better chance to not be behind bars while fighting for your rights. So I highly recommend self-surrendering. And let me be, add one caveat to that. Self-surrender when you have a lawyer with you. Don't just walk into the police station and ask questions. Have a lawyer with you. The lawyer and the self-surrender is going to give you the best chance to get that PR bond. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. We have six questions that came in via email after I did my post. I'll answer these questions. And we'll take it from there. Question one. Can you give me advice on the bar exam? Okay. So, if you're about to take the bar exam, there's a lot of different bar prep programs out there. But to me, passing the bar is about confidence, okay? Remember one thing. You've made it through three years of law school. And three years of law school is more difficult than the bar exam. The bar exam just has a lot of pressure to it. And I don't think it's fair that you get judged more harsh on those two or three days, depending on the jurisdiction. Michigan's a two-day test. California was a three-day test when I took it. Jersey was two. There's a lot of pressure on that test. But you got to walk in with confidence. Remember that you graduated from law school. If you made it through law school, you should be able to make it through the bar exam. Keep that in your mind. The biggest problem people have with the bar exam is they change things. For three years, you worked your ass off. And then for three months, instead of going the rest of the green mile, you change your pattern. People move. They change apartments. They end up in relationships. They move back to their home state when they've had a great study environment in one other state. You can't change what worked for you in law school when you take the bar exam. If you want to be successful, you keep the same study habits. And the best way to pass the bar is to know your multiple choice. You have to know your MCs. The bar exam consists of multiple choice and essays. And I'll tell you right now, it's like that first impression, you know? It's like finding somebody attractive or not finding them attractive. The bar graders will know your multiple choice score before they look at your essays. You're picking A, B, C, or D. Put the Scantron in. Okay. At that juncture, they know where you're at with the black letter law. The essays, especially in Michigan, it's about issue spotting. But I've seen people who have killed the multiple choice and did dog shit on the essays and pass. I've also seen people who wrote beautiful essays and didn't do great in the MCs and failed. The bar grader is a human being with their own biases. 
all right? And they're going to judge you, not just by what you wrote on the word. The written word's helpful, but the multiple choice is more powerful. You need to kill those MCs. Whether you're with Barbary, um, Hugh Reed, Themis, whatever, every company has its pros and cons. I know I used to do bar prep. My bar prep was a little bit different. Thankfully, I don't tutor anymore. I don't talk about ungrateful people for too little money. My people passed, but I kind of took bar prepping to another level. With me, we had to practice six days a week. You know, we had to come in at two o'clock in the morning, sometimes do multiple choice. The problem why a lot of people fail to bar too is because I think every bar prep company gives you the tools you need, but you're on the honor code. You're on the honor code how hard you want to work. And if you choose not to work hard, bad things are going to happen. You paid too much money and went through too much bullshit to get through three years of law school and not pass the bar exam. That's, hope that answers your question. Number two, why are prosecutors not held to the same standards as defendants? That's a good question. Okay. There's a lot of immunity with a prosecutor. If you want to sue a prosecutor for a wrongful prosecution, the first thing they're going to do is have the attorney general litigate for them. So understand, it's not an easy hurdle, not to have an immense amount of respect for the attorney general, especially based on some cases I'm involved in right now. But with that being stated, understand the prosecutor is going to get a free lawyer who's probably a decent lawyer. The legislator does not want to see prosecutors go down. Now, if there's a Brady violation, that can change things a lot. I think the biggest problem prosecutors run into is the dirty ones get cute with the evidence. When that happens, the odds of them getting disbarred or suspended are, you know, they're pretty remote. The reason why they're not held to the same standard is because there is a belief as a civil servant they're trying to protect their county. A lot of great prosecutors, you know, understand that. And I think it's a shame that the dirty ones put a taint on the good ones. We see this with probation officers too. With probation officers, you know, there's a new statute that says the defense counsel has a right to attend the PSI interview. Most probation officers I know are not trying to screw somebody over at the PSI. But for the ones that did, they go one piece of shit I used to deal with. They used to write illegal PSIs. This individual, on a five-year felony, he would recommend five years in prison and disregard the guidelines. Now... There was a lot of reasons for that. Um, he's just a miserable individual. And, you know, karma will get him. But somebody like that has made the job more difficult for all the good probation officers. There's some dirty prosecutors that make the job difficult for the good ones. A prosecutor's job is not to get a conviction. The prosecutor's job is to maintain justice. If somebody committed a crime, the prosecutor should prosecute. But if somebody did not commit a crime, 
they should dismiss. Sometimes what looks like a crime, when the police reports come in, when you start peeling that onion, things change. And you want a prosecutor that's willing to say, okay, I see why something's wrong, or here's why I think something's right. Objectivity. One of the reasons I have so much respect for Scott Corner is because he was a damn good defense lawyer. He knows both sides of it. I'll tell you a funny story about Scott, because I think Scott is like the role model for what a prosecutor should be. I had a case with him a couple years ago. We resolved it. And my guy was guilty. And I said to Scott, here's what I'm pitching to you. And Scott looked at me, and he says, Bill, you're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) You know, I'm not giving you that deal, because I have to protect the community. However, I will give you this, because I showed him some things. You know, and I look at Corner, I look at Judge Matthew Stewart, I look at Melissa Beerwith, and I look at the way a circuit court and prosecutor's office is supposed to be run. I can't say that about every circuit court I'm in. I certainly can't say about every prosecutor office I deal with. You know? But I will tell you, I look up to Scott Corner and Judge Stewart a great deal. If I want to learn more about being a man, I turn to Judge Matthew Stewart. If I want to learn more about the law, I turn to Scott Corner. And if I want to learn more about bow ties, I turn to Brian Box. I said it. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. You know, Judge Simpson in Washington once told me a few years ago, because you're a great lawyer, but sometimes you got to learn when to be quiet. And that was something that's really helped my career. And it's something I would encourage the board to do. Ryan Painter was giving a job as the attorney with the Board of Commissioners for 104 k a year. I think it was $200 an hour when he went over a certain amount of hours. I've been told that with my Facebook Lives that I'm trying desperately to get Ryan Painter's position right now. Okay, number one, Ryan Painter no longer has Ryan Painter's position. Um, in an act of what I think was basically cowardice, he quit. He got the job for 104 k a year, and then he ran off because the pressure got too much. I remember seeing him at meetings, not even looking up at people. I mean, this is not what you want out of your lawyer. I don't know you, Ryan. I don't really care to know you. But I will tell you, a lot of things have been said about me. I am going to fire back right now. Can somebody please f***ing tell me... Why paying someone $104,000 a year with no qualifications is better for the county than paying someone $50,000 a year with some qualifications with ten grand, basically going back to the mental health court as we promised. And again, people said, my enemies have said this was a money grab. Guys, are you kidding me? 25k to start on a capital case this was not going to be me leading the charge 
Okay, what this was going to be was a young associate from my firm getting experience with us overseeing it. In essence, the county would have got maybe three lawyers for the price of less than one. The only thing I was going to do was use that office sometimes when I was in Shiawassee to meet criminal defense clients. That was my goal. I didn't want the county to pay a lot of money, and I don't understand why Bonnie Toski was being removed anyway. Can somebody please explain why Ryan Painter was given 104 k a year in a closed meeting when there were bids for less? How does that not arise to suspicion? That's how this whole drama fest started with me and the Board of Commissioners. I spoke. McMasters, who I feel there's got to be something wrong with McMasters, he fired at me, and I said to him publicly, do you have a problem? And people said, oh, my God, how could you talk to the board like that? That was so brave. I don't really think it was brave to holler back at a bunch of morons that were up there. And I want you to remember something, guys. So I know Shiawassee County is a big-time Republican community, and I'm not here to talk politics, okay? But if you vote R down the line without looking at the candidates, you're going to get Jeremy Roots and Cindy Garber's continual interference in running your local government. You have to get somebody to replace these people. And if you just vote the party line, you're going to get stuck with the same bullshit you have. So please... Vote for the individual, not the party in this situation. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat right now. You need change. That board is a goddamn laughing stock right now. Questions number three. Can somebody record me without permission? Oof. Quick answer is yes. You can be recorded without permission. Some states are two-party consent Michigan is currently a one-party consent here's what that means you want to record me you don't get my consent but you're cool with it you can record me then you got to authenticate the call and get to the best evidence rule I always found it amazing how people don't realize they're being recorded <laughs> Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. Matthew Modine's character. How these people did not realize this guy was recording them. You always have to think when you're on a call that there's a potential that somebody's recording you. Now, of course, when you're talking to a prosecutor, that conversation between you and the prosecutor is supposed to be privileged. Though I've heard rumors that sometimes people will take emails and present them to the public. But when that happens, we usually end up with malice at the palace too. And I'm sure a few people out there knows what that means. Malice at the palace, my first term of law school, is that crazy fight with the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons. Malice at the palace too, which I was part of, was a, a joke about a case. Careful with those emails, people. If a prosecutor shares an email with the general public, whew, 
Now that's not to get somebody disbarred. Glad that doesn't happen. Wink, wink. Question four. Should I ever talk to the police? General rule, no. You know, if you're confident enough to actually do a police polygraph after you pass the private polygraph, you go in there and talk to the police with your lawyer present. You know, you never go to the police by yourself. You always have to feel the police could be lying to you. As much as I respect police, how many times has a young kid been deceived to come down and then they try to get a confession out of the individual? How many times has that happened? How many times has a polygrapher written out a confession for someone? You know what? I, I love it when... Here's this one polygrapher. Guy's such a dick. I was so glad to sick this case up his recently. I won't mention the case. But I will tell you. It's an individual. He always does this spiel. I know you're a good guy. And I want to put you in this category. So if you just sign this confession, you committed this crime. I'm going to let you leave today. Come on. Like, guys, what the fuck? Stop. Do not sign a confession. Do not let some asshole write a confession for you and you initial it. What are you thinking? And by the way, when that officer is trying to get a confession out of you, it's because they don't have enough to charge you right now. You are co-signing your freedom away. My God. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, so, I don't talk to the police. I have a lot of cops that are friends, but I would never let a client of mine go talk to the police alone. And I'm very careful when they do go talk. Question five. That's a good one. What TV shows truly depict the field of law? Alright. There's um three shows I thought were right on point. <laughs> For the People. For the People was about the New York criminal justice system. And there were federal prosecutors and federal defenders. And I thought that show was right on point. Whoever was writing that show really knew the law. Great show. It's canceled now, unfortunately. But if you ever want to watch For the People, highly recommend it. All Rise. Loved All Rise. Judge Lola Carmichael was a fucking badass. That show dealt into the personal lives of lawyers, the stress of being a judge, racial tensions. It was really good. Um, again, lasted two seasons. And sadly, what we're learning is a lot of these great legal shows last two years. That's their lifespan. And lastly, Raising the Bar. This is one back from law school. This really followed around some public defenders and... It really, um, it talked about life outside the courtroom and the difficulties they faced. You know, I met one character, Jerry, who was, uh, Zach from Say by the Bell, Mark Paul Glosher, I think that's the guy's name. And he, he really was a great defense lawyer, but he used to take it home with him. And it caused problems in his life because he cared so much.
That's gotta be rough to care so much. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I'm not one to take work home. My strength told me I'm doing great with that. <laughs> Alright, and lastly for tonight. Is law school the answer, and how expensive is it? So this is a college kid, I'm guessing. Whew. You gotta really want it. Um, if you want to go to law school, you gotta put your life on hold for three years. This means sometimes cutting off loved ones. People are going to be born. People are going to die. Relationships die in law school a lot. You know, and there's some relationships that last, but law school, it's it takes so much out of you. You will not be the same person going into law school that you will be coming out of law school. And you can expect about 150 grand in debt, you know, and then you got to take the bar exam. So I, if you want it, it's a great thing. If you're on the fence about it, don't do it. You know, I, to me, law school is the only option. You know, I'm sure if I didn't make it through law school, uh, I'd be back in Jersey. And, I mean, I'm sure I'd have a decent life. I'd be working in the casino. But, you know, with me, and I respect a lot of people in the casino, but I just wasn't complete without being in law school. Um, it was something I had to do. And not everybody has to have that type of completeness feeling, but that's what it was with me. I don't think I could have been satisfied or happy in my life if I didn't go to law school. I think law school set the tone for a lot of things. And I just don't feel that it's for everybody. Some of the most brilliant people I know have never stepped foot in a law school classroom. And some of the biggest f***ing morons I know graduated from law school with honors. Don't ever confuse education and intellect. Just don't do it. Come back to burn you, man. I look at our firm, you know, Matt and Jen and myself, and I don't think... And we did well in law school, but the academic discipline, some of the things that were natural to us to be successful as lawyers were almost counterproductive to how to succeed in law school. To me, it's almost like somebody wants to be a carpenter. And if they want to be a carpenter, you should teach them how to, you know, do carpentry. But instead, they teach you philosophical theories on being a carpenter. And if you master those theories, and you get out, you don't have to be a carpenter you're gonna be broke so i've said this before and i'll say it again graduating from college gives you the right to take the lsat getting a high enough score in the lsat gives you the right to go to law school having a high enough gpa in law school gives you the right to take the bar exam scoring high enough on the bar exam gives you the right to be a lawyer and none of these things have anything to do with one another it is a roller coaster ride, my friend. I don't know where you want to go to law school. Always feel free to email me. If we get talking, you can text me. Because I always I want to help anybody going through that journey. 
I wish I had people to talk to when I was going through that journey. You know, but what you see on Facebook Live or on the radio or what you read on Google, the journey to get there was like drinking coffee with a fork. All right, it's not it's not an easy journey. I could tell you back when I was broke. I could tell you back when financial aid lenders were coming at me. I could tell you back to when people I bartended with were laughing in my face because the economy sucked and I was a nobody. All right, I could tell you all those times, but I will tell you this, in my opinion, anything in life, if you fucking struggle to get there, you'll appreciate it. Every day I get to put on a suit and tie and fight for somebody's freedom, I consider that a day I'm a lucky man. I worked my ass off for it, but I am fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. The money, the fame, whatever comes from it, that's all well and good, but to actually do something you love, and I love being a lawyer, that's a rare thing. Most people really don't love what they do. But I also feel you need to fucking love it if you're going to make that kind of commitment. If you're going to go to law school because you're not sure what you want to do with your life, don't do it. What you think is going to happen in the future is going to take you on some rides, okay? And this field, it will break your fucking heart and it will give you a high like you've never seen. You have your great days, you have your horrible days. And I will tell you, I haven't lost a lot of trials in my career, but the ones you lose hurt so much more than the thrills of the ones you win. In the, in the movie Rounders, Mike McDermott says, ask any great poker player the biggest pot they ever won, they probably couldn't tell you. But they could tell you the biggest loss they ever had. In my career, I don't think there's any question that Eric Coleman was a Super Bowl win for me. May he rest in peace. That's a tough one to even talk about, but Winning Eric's trial was possibly the happiest day of my professional life. Not my personal life. There's things with Jewel, my dogs, my aunt, my mom playing baseball. Personal and professional life are two different things, and you gotta you gotta separate those things, okay? But if we're talking just professional, Eric's win was awesome. I've had bigger wins after. I've had bigger dismissals. I've had people facing 150 years and they walked out with nothing. Eric was sweet because it was the first, but I will tell you that the joy of winning Eric's case does not come close to the pain of losing the Bobby Reyes situation. And people will tell me it's not your fault. You got in the game late. You bought that child and his family two weeks. I can say all the right things. Not being able to win Bobby's case against U of M is something that will never leave me. And it's such a pain. And, I, you know, if I'm hurt by it, I want you to think about Sarah and Jose are feeling. You have to try to bounce back from that pain. But that pain never leaves you if you really give a shit. So, if you want to go down that road, 
there's going to be some awesome moments. There's going to be some painful ones. And I do think the painful ones sting more than that awesome energy of the great days. So, if all that makes sense and 150 grand of financial aid, you want to go for it, go for it. But don't let anybody bullshit you. Awesome thing about being a lawyer is you can do any thing you want. You go cram, you go sieve. And if you keep pushing, you will find success one way or the other. But the journey could beat the shit out of you. And when I think of Bobby, I wouldn't trade my time on that case for anything. But the pain of not being able to get that victory. Yeah. That's um that something doesn't leave you. Just doesn't. Okay. Well, that's it for tonight. Wanna send a few shout-outs right now? Megan Mass kicking ass in Kent County. She's with Tanis Schultz. If you're on that side of the state, you should definitely check out Megan Mass. She is a rising star. She's one of the best criminal lawyers I've seen in a long time. And her and I work a lot of cases together, and I was really impressed with the work she did today. Meg, I gotta tell you, that was a hell of a fucking ride two and a half hours each way, but you did a great job. Adam Sun with Achieve Fit and 3-in-1 Fitness, where I work out. Adam Sun's one of the best... One, far and away, one of the best trainers in the state of Michigan. You should check him out. And of course, a little biased, but for your criminal needs, check out McManus and Amadeo. Alright, I'm Bill Amadeo. I approve this message. Have a good night. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.